Coming up on today's episode, I have a big, big Dolphin fan. His name is Jacoby. He's going to be joining me on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about Miami Dolphins football. We're going to talk about things from his perspective, since I know you guys know about how I feel about the Dolphins. And we're going to get into some great conversations overall about the whole Dolphins heading into next year. We're going to talk about Tua, Coach Flores, the culture, how we feel we match up against the Bills, a whole bunch of fun stuff, man. It was a great conversation. And then after that, me and him do get into a lot of NBA talk. We talk about the playoffs this year. We talk a little bit about the Sacramento Kings. He's a big Sacramento Kings fan, actually has his own podcast. I guarantee that you guys will definitely like his work if you check him out. And also, we talk about our top 15 players in the NBA going into next season. So he gives his list. I give my list. I think you guys are definitely going to want to hear all that and enjoy it. It got interesting. Honestly, I knew at some point we were going to disagree, but he threw a couple curveballs at me that I didn't expect. Stay tuned for that. You guys are really going to enjoy this entire conversation with me and Jacoby. It was a good one. And let's get right into it. Welcome to the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast, episode 25. 25 episodes down. That is a huge, huge milestone. Before we get started on today's conversation, I just want to welcome you all and thank you all for the continued support. I saw the reviews that you guys left me on Apple. I'm extremely grateful for that because I know that's taking time out of your guys' day. But for you guys to do that for me, I really, really appreciate it. And for those that don't have Apple, I'm still appreciative of you guys just letting me be a part of your day and listening to the podcast and the support you give me. On social media, I say it time and time again because I'm extremely grateful for that. I cannot thank you enough. And like I said in the intro, you guys are really, really going to enjoy this conversation here. A lot of fun stuff. And now for today's episode. All right, so I want to welcome Jacoby. He's a very, very big Dolphin fan. He's going to be joining us here today. Jacoby, first of all, how's it going, man? And why don't you tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and where they can find you at, my brother? Mando, my guy, thank you so much for having me on, man. Could not be more honored to be on here with you. Uh, like you said, my name is Jacoby Robles. Uh, my real name is Jacob, but Jacoby is like a nickname I was given all throughout high school, but you can always go by me from Jacoby. Um, I'm the host of the 916 Kingdom podcast that centers around the Sacramento Kings. I'm also a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. I write for aqua13.com. If you haven't checked that out, make sure you guys give that a look. We do some really great Dolphins content on that website. Uh, that's pretty much how me and Nando got acquainted. Uh, I met him through uh, Grand Napier's podcast and uh, could not be more thrilled to be on here with you, man. Hey, man, it was, it was a long time coming, but I'm glad we made it happen, bro. And just getting in touch with you and listening to your work with your podcast about the Sacramento Kings, me being a big De'Aaron Fox guy, man, I, I really love what you do. And Sacramento needs something like that, man, like something from a diehard fan perspective, you know, not hearing it too much from like all the media outlets, just keeping it real. And that's what you do, man. So I love what you do, man, and keep on doing it. And I want to talk about something real quick. So you live all the way on the other side of the country in California. Yes, sir. And you're a Dolphin fan. How did that come? How did that come about, bro? Well, yeah, it really sucks having your favorite football team on the other side of the country, but my cousin is a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. And, you know, as I was growing up, not really knowing much about football, I just always thought they that their logo and their team was just the raddest looking team out there. So I just kind of just stuck with them. And then as I as I got older and, you know, learned more about the game, I always just stuck with them. And it's just 
it's just in my blood. It's just been my favorite team since I was little and couldn't imagine myself rooting for another team. Yeah, that's always how it starts. Uh, I said this on one of my other podcasts. It's like in the beginning, you kind of like like the colors. And then after that, you grow older. Then you start liking the team, the players, the history. And then you just you you find yourself being so in love with the team that no matter how bad and how rough it's been, bro, that you have to stay loyal to them. And that's the good oh, thing. That's the good thing I see about us Dolphin fans is that a lot of us are loyal for so many years. And that's why when we finally get to where we want to get to, which is eventually a Super Bowl, it's going to feel so damn good knowing that we put, a, we put through all these tough years as fans to finally get to that point. And it's crazy because you being in California all the way on the other side, see, I'm from New Jersey. And there's a lot of Dolphin fans here. So I go to the Jets games when the Dolphins play the Jets here, and it's always packed out with Dolphin fans. But you living in California, you know, it's just it's awesome to have fans just pretty much across the world. It's, it's great. Oh, you'd be surprised. Uh, you know, I live all the way in Central California, like in, right in the middle of like the Sacramento area and the Bay Area. And I see, I see a lot of Dolphins fans. I probably see them more than I see Niners fans. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's actually pretty cool. You know, whenever I see a Dolphins fan around town, you know, I always, I always stop and talk with them and we just catch up, you know, about the team and, you know, about what's going on in the current, uh, the current time period. It, it's really, it's really cool to be honest with you. What teams do people, um, around your area root for is, is it the Niners or is it the Chargers or what? Uh, it's mainly the Raiders to be honest with you. Um, you really? know, growing up, growing up all throughout school. There was always more Raiders fans in, you know, around me than Niners fans. My whole neighbor block is pretty much Raiders fans, but you definitely see a lot more Raiders fans than Niners fans. Even like when they were making their Super Bowl run, uh, the Niners, it, you were still crawling with Raiders fans over here. Really? Damn. Damn. That's, that's interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of that. I thought it would definitely be Niners. Uh, do you plan on going to, on a game this year uh, in Miami or what? Uh, I actually do. This is uh, going to be my first time seeing them. Um, the October 22nd game against the Falcons. I'm planning on taking a trip out there with some friends. I uh, cannot be more excited for that. You know, the Dolphins really don't come to California that often. Last year, I was really looking forward to going to the game against the Niners, but unfortunately, you know, the pandemic struck and, you know, they weren't letting, they weren't letting anybody in, in California. Like we had the strictest rules uh, during the pandemic. So I didn't get to, didn't get to go to that matchup. So I'm really looking forward to getting out there and being in the home stadium and, could not be more excited for that. No, yeah, for sure. You, have you been to Hard Rock before or no? I have not. As far as NFL game goes, I've only been to a Raider game. It was just a, a game against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, Patty Mahomes wasn't even on the team. It was just a few years ago. And uh, it was actually pretty funny, you know, like during halftime, they're showing like the scores around the league. And uh, this was during the 2016 season when the Dolphins went 10 and 6 with uh, Adam Gase. And uh, it was when they beat the Steelers by like 15. And I was the only one in the crowd just going crazy. Because it, it was a, it was an exciting season, and you know I was getting all these looks from Raiders fans. But yeah, you gotta always gotta always rep your team, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> well, one takeaway from Hard Rock: uh, I've only been there once. I went to a lot of the other games. It was Sunlight Stadium, Land Shark Stadium. I don't even know they they change the name like every year. But Hard Rock, I went there one time, and it's beautiful, man. Uh, you're gonna love it. The good thing about it is it was raining that day. But they have like, you know, like you've seen that they're they cover all the fans so they don't get wet and it's just pretty much the field. So it's it's nice, good. Comfortable nice. seats. Everything is just like brand new. You're, you're going to have a blast there. I actually plan on going to a game this year. I just don't know which one. I talked to you about this before. I'm just waiting on the, the NBA mm -hmm. schedule, you know, because I want to see if I could just 
kill two birds with one stone there and get a heat game and the dolphin game in over a weekend. Oh no. Yeah. We want to do that too. Um, you know, we're about like my friends group. We're basically a basketball first kind of, kind of group. So like, if we can get to a heat game as well, we're definitely going to try to do that. You just got to, if you go to Miami, in my opinion, you just have to go to those two, those two, uh, stadiums. It's just, it's just a must in my opinion. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Especially for me, man. I just, I, I really want to see, I've never seen, uh, Jimmy Butler play at home. So I really want to go and see, see what the atmosphere is like over there. But let's, let's talk about this past season, man, from your perspective. So I know you've heard through my podcast, how I feel about the team and our 10 and six record this past year. What do you think about our season last year and the new identity that Flores has built here in Miami going forward? Well, obviously last year, you know, the team completely exceeded our expectations. You know, like we weren't really expecting to compete at a high level and like be as closest to the playoffs as we do. Like it still stings to this day, you know, how we had four scenarios that could have got us into the playoffs and you just, none of them happened, but you know, there was a lot of memories and positivities we could have took from last year. Uh, I think coach Flores is just the perfect man for this job. Like the culture he's already created here in like in such quick time as well. Like it, it took one rebuilding season and now we're already we're already on the contending track. Like we're going to be a playoff team this year. Like I don't have a doubt in my mind. And just, I just feel like he brings a special spark to both sides of the, both sides of this team. And it's, it's just the man you want running your team. Like you, you get what I'm saying? Like you just, he just brings that energy and you just can't help, but just love it. It just gives you goosebumps every time you think about it. No. Yeah. A hundred percent, bro. It's crazy because usually you think, okay, new coach here, you know, he's got to, feel the team out first, then kind of start to establish a culture the following year. Then you kind of see by year three, which direction they're going in. Mm -hmm. But this guy just took over from the jump, man. That roster, like I've said on my podcast, that roster was bad that first year and he led us to five wins. I would be honest with you. I thought we were going to get two wins, three wins. Oh yeah, me, me you too. You know what I mean? And we ended up with five. So it was impressive. And then the following year, this past one, 10 and six, I'll tell you, I did not see that coming at all. After five and 11, I'm like, okay, we could go like mm -hmm. nine and seven and kind of start shifting the tide, like slowly, you know, headed in the right direction. But 10 and six, that's huge. And then a top defense in the league at that. And then with all the, the media twisting things about Tua and Fitzpatrick, for him to just continue to face adversity with the whole team and then lead them to 10 and six, even though we missed the playoffs, bro, that was an amazing season. And I'm optimistic that next year, like you said, no doubt in your mind that we make the playoffs. I'm with you on that. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Without a doubt. Like the one thing, like, if you think about it, like with the whole Tua and Fitzpatrick situation, you know, Flores was like a more times than not put in a rock in a hard place, but the one, like a lot of people didn't disagree, uh, didn't agree with his decision, you know, to pull Tua in those couple of games. And I'm going to get into that more under this next topic, but you know, you, he did what he felt was going to get, was going to lead to a win. And you got to love that. Like he did not care. He just wanted to get the win. And to me, I agreed 100% with those moves. It was just the right move to, it was struggling, but also there was other factors that played into those, but he still did whatever it took to get that team a win. And it, like I said, you want a coach like that. He's not going to hesitate whatsoever to make the right decision. And I, that's why I think Flores is 100% the right guy for Miami. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I remember actually being on Twitter when all those things were happening, when he would pull Tua and then put Fitzpatrick in. A lot of people were freaking out saying, no, you can't do that. You got to let the young guy grow. It's how he's going to get better. But honestly, man, I don't mind it. And the reason why I didn't mind it 
is because we were contending to get to the playoffs, man. If we weren't in it, then I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Like the kids got to learn, you know what I mean? But what's the goal? The goal was to get to the playoffs. So we had to do what we had to do and make the right move. If we had to use like a, you know, put a bullpen guy in like Fitzpatrick to get the job done, that's what had to be done. So I didn't mind it at all. Like you, he stuck to what he believed in. And I like that. Like I ride with Coach Flores no matter what. I think Tua's going to be all right. But speaking about Tua, you know, his rookie year, we both know how bad this offseason was in Dolphins Twitter where we had half of the people on Tua's side and then half of the people who were out on Tua. And I think now, I think at least, we're about 75% in Dolphins Twitter that's in favor of Tua and 25 that aren't. But how do you feel about what you saw from him? And do you have belief in Tua and why? Well, here's the thing on on Tua's rookie season. Like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. From what he had, and I put a big emphasis on that, from what he had, I think he did a really good job. He had a lot of injuries with his receivers and a lot of drops too. Like, don't even get me started on those. (laughs) And, you know, the O-line was really beat up. He had a coaching staff that just didn't give him a lot of freedom and flexibility on the offensive end. Given what he had, and he still put up 1,800 yards, 11 touchdowns, and five interceptions. I think he did a really good job. And a lot of and a lot of Dolphins fans just like the fans who don't have the faith in Tua, they don't look at all the little things. And I and I really hope they do because if if not, it's just like it makes no sense. Like this is coming from the same people who gave Ryan Tannehill seven years. Like I, I just don't understand. And we can't give Tua nine games. So that to me, I think he did a, a really good job for what he had in front of him. And I have I have so much belief in him. Like, I think he's going to, he has everything this year to set him up for success. If he continues to struggle after this year with everything we have, then maybe it's time to start thinking about what we're going to do. But I don't think there's any reason to panic whatsoever. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like you can say he probably doesn't have what it takes. Like you can debate that all, all, all day long. But if you're going to sit here and say he's a bust from what you saw last year, it's just, it, completely baffles me. And you probably talked about this over and over and over again. It just makes absolutely no sense. He has the the perception of being a bust because he didn't do what Justin Herbert did. That's just my opinion. So I completely believe in him and it's going to be such a fun season next year for what he has in front of him. No. Yeah. I, I agree with you. As you know, a hundred percent, man, I'm all aboard on Tua. I believe in Tua more than a lot of people do. And like you said, the drop passes, you can't even undermine that. Like Jakeem Grant for one drop, I think one, if not two big plays that would have just changed his stats and everything like that. I also talked about drop balls. There was a lot of balls in players' hands that were tipped up. And then a Bills player got it in the last game of the season. Two of those, he threw three interceptions that day, but two of those. So you take two of those away, that's three interceptions. You put a couple of those drop passes, that's probably added two touchdowns. We're talking about a 13 touchdown, three interception season, six and three record for a rookie quarterback that wasn't starting from week one, that was thrown in in the middle of the season with no offseason at that. Exactly. I mean, come on now. You know what I mean? So like you said, though, he has everything in place for him this coming season. So I think it's going to be really telling. Then I feel like you can judge. Exactly. That's what I'm doing. I can't judge him. I can't judge him off that first one. So I think now. When he's got all these players added to him, he's got the offensive coordinator, he's got the belief, he has the time for an offseason to work on his, his mechanics and his body. Now we can judge him. Obviously, you can make the argument, oh, they didn't improve the running back situation, but they did add a lot of people around him to help him. 
two guys being Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller. Now, adding those two to the wide receiving group, that has a lot of speed, which is really good for Tua. What do you think about what they, those two can bring on to our team? Nando, I think about it every single night with these two <laughs> new additions. Uh, you know, I was so pumped when, uh, when they announced Fuller. And, you know, a lot of people were caught off guard when the Dolphins decided to go with Waddle. And to be honest, I was too, but not in a bad way. I wasn't like, oh, I don't want this guy. But like, I just wasn't expecting it. I was expecting they were either going to go with Pitts, but then Pitts got taken early and then Jamar Chase got taken early. So I thought for sure they were going to go with Devontae Smith. So when they chose Waddle, I was like, okay, okay. I, I'm like, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I, I, I was just watching highlights and, you know, the speed that man has and his playmaking, but I am so excited. And, you know, they already have, they already have a jump start with chemistry. So I am so pumped for that. And, you know, you saw what Will Fuller did last year with Houston. And, you know, granted, he hasn't had a completely healthy season and that and a lot of people already like for no reason, just giving the Dolphins backlash like, oh, these two haven't been healthy a whole season in their life and they already will the Dolphins out. I'm just like, just just move past that and just look at what and look at what they bring to the table for the offense. And you can't help but just be so excited to see what two is going to do with these two new additions. Uh, And they still got Devontae Parker. They still got Mike Gusecki. It's without a doubt the most talented wide receiver group in the AFC East. And if you have a counterpoint for that, like bring it on. Like I don't have a doubt in my mind that we have the best receiver core in the AFC East. Yeah, I was actually, now that you say that, I was actually saying that to a couple buddies of mine. I said, who has the best wide receiving core in the AFC East? And they were like beating around the bush. Like, oh, the most success, the bill. No, I said, no, 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 no. Who has the mo- who has the best wide exactly. receiving group on paper in the AFCs? And they w- they were so hesitant, like they don't want to give us credit. But then he's like, "All right, the Dolphins do." And I was like, "Exactly." Listen, a lot of the disrespect I think is going to stop with this Dolphin season. Adding guys like Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle give you that speed that's perfect for Tua because that's what he likes to throw to. He likes to throw to people in stride. But it's good to have possession receivers like Gasecki and Parker to throw it to. And I thought they were taking Smith too all along, man, to be honest with you. But I think what they looked at what they had, they had these jump ball guys like Gasecki and Parker, but what they lacked was speed. They didn't have speed in that wide receiving group. And they went and got the fastest guy in the wide receiving class in Jalen Waddle. And then added that Will Fuller, you know, he has, it's a one-year deal, but that doesn't hurt you at all. Yeah, he has injury history, but man, if he stays healthy, that could be a Pro Bowl type receiver right there. And I can, you can argue that he's honestly better than Devontae Parker. So we'll see. I'm excited for Will Fuller and Waddle. I just hope they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, man, bro, we got something brewing. <laughs> we got something brewing in Miami. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what I mean. Well, that Tua has everything set up for him for success. And those two are going to play a major role in that next yeah, season. We just got, we just got to hope they stay healthy and that's it. But, um, after that, after the Jalen Waddle pick, we ended up taking Jalen Phillips at 18, pass rusher out of Miami, who I really like. I, I saw him play a lot in college since I watch a lot of the U games. Were you happy with the pick? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, two things about, about Phillips that makes me so excited is like, you know, you see, you see what he did in Miami last year. It was his junior season. Um, you know, if you're on the offensive end, like you fear this man. You, like he's just... He's so big and like the speed he also has off the ball to, to get into the offensive backfield and make plays. It makes you so freaking excited to see him being addition to our already stacked defense. So like when I was watching his highlights, like that whole night after we drafted him, 
because I, I did watch him a couple uh, a few times too because i'm not a full-time college football guy but i do pay attention to the top prospects and i enjoyed watching him all, all season long and i am so excited to see what he's going to bring to the defense and, and another big thing too is you know with the defense and you know no more kyle van noy and no more bobby mccain those are two vocal leaders on the defensive ball that we no longer have anymore and i think those shoes are open right away to Jalen Phillips. I think he can make an instant impact on the defensive end. And he has a great shot of becoming one of our great leaders on the defensive end. And I think that's going to be a great challenge for him early on. And I'm really, really uh, curious if he's going to take that step to try to lead the defense in any way he can. Man, that's actually great. I I didn't think about it like that, but now that you put it like that, that actually makes me pretty excited for him. If he can take on like that leadership role Mm -hmm. and, you know, him being, you know, he played his college ball in Miami. Now he's playing for the Dolphins. He's playing right at home where he's comfortable. And obviously what I like is that all the pass rushers in the draft were all on the board at 18 and coach Flores is a defensive minded guy. So he picked the guy he wanted. And if I trust in Flores, like I said, then I like the pick. All right. You pick the one you wanted. And so you got the belief in the coaching staff. You're playing exactly in the same place you played your college ball at. Right there, it's like you have every th- all the tools right there for you to become that vocal leader. It's up to you. It's up to how hard do you want, how bad do you want it, how hard were you willing to work, and all those things. Now, I personally wanted Najee Harris at 18 because I wanted just to have a running back back there that you can throw in the backfield. He can run, he can block, and also they can do some RPO stuff with Tua. And I wanted Tua to have no excuses. I wanted to figure out the wide receiving core and the running back. I wanted to have everything in place for Tua. But I wasn't mad at the Jalen Phillips pick. I don't hate Jalen Phillips. I think he's going to be really good. I just don't know if he'll be able to hit the ground running from week one, like a Najee Harris, in my opinion. I think he will. But Jalen Phillips, I definitely do think he's going to have a great career. And he, if he can add what you said, that leadership skill to him, that would be awesome, bro. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like I, I recently put out an article about uh, Coach Flores on Aqua 13, and I got a lot of feedback talking about the frustrations of Flores not addressing the running back position, either in free agency and the draft. And you know, I, you know this too. I wanted Najee Harris really, really bad. I wanted him at 18 as well. But you know... I think that it's going to work out just fine. Granted, they still haven't made any moves at the running back. They, you know, a lot of fans were speculating whether they're going to bring in Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, like get that veteran presence on the in the backfield. But it does look like they're going to be running with uh, with Miles with Miles Gaskin and uh, Salvan Ahmed. And you know what? I'm cool with that. They were ve- they were a very productive duo uh, last season. And you know, another year coming, and they got all the touches. I think it's going to work out just fine with uh, with the running backs. You know, just like keep giving them a chance. And Miles Gaskin came in and completely balled out last year. And I, I'm really curious to see what he's going to bring this year. So I think, you know, for fans out there that are still upset that, you know, that we didn't get Najee, we couldn't get Javante Williams either. Like I say, just let Miles Gaskin ball out. We're set at receiver. I think we're going to be just fine when it comes to that aspect. Yeah, no, after, you know, I got over the whole Najee Harris not being taken and then us not getting a, running back in free agency. Well, besides Malcolm Brown, who is a a veteran himself, but I'm kind of, now I'm optimistic, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm a Dolphin fan at heart. I want to, I want them to win. I want them to be successful. So at the start of the season, I'm very optimistic, man. So if he wants to roll out there with Gaskin, Ahmed, Jared Dokes, if he makes a team and Malcolm Brown, I'm all for it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm optimistic, 
But if things hit the fan, then I, I can question him. You know what I mean? But until then, I have all the belief. I think Gaskin could be really, really good. And we'll see, man. So, I mean, it's obvious that we're ready to make a playoff run. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think Malcolm Brown is going to provide wonders for those two. Yeah. In terms of, you know, like leadership and uh, role model out there, too. So I- I'm excited. I think that was a really good signing, a very underrated signing for the Dolphins yeah. during free agency. And cheap, too. And he can get into the end zone. And that's one thing that we've desperately needed, you know. Gaskin is not that big of a guy. You know, he's small, he's speedy, he gets to his places where he needs to get to. But as far as breaking tackles, having a guy like Malcolm Brown is somebody we definitely need to put, uh, punch some touchdowns into the end zone. Oh, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And obviously, we're, we're fighting for the division this year. We want to make the playoffs and we got to take care of those Buffalo Bills. And they, oh, yeah. hand, they, handed, <laughs> they handed us pretty well last season, uh, beating us both times. But how do, you, how do you think we match up against the Bills going into this next season? You know, a lot of people like to just look at that last game against the Bills and, you know, dictate the matchup on that. But, you know, I want like I want people to remember, like we hung in with them. Was it like the third week of the season last year, uh, week one or two, week two or three, one of those. But, you know, I, I do like how we match up with them this yeah. year. I think our defense is going to be better than ever. And I just I truly think like the last game of the season last year against the Bills, I just think they were just out of gas, to be honest with you. I was watching, I think the first half of that game and there was just no energy. They, the team just looked dead and sure enough, they got rolled over on and that we all, it was all history from there. We all know what happened after that, but you know, the first game of the season last year, you know, we all, we only lost by three and it was like that one big play at the fourth quarter, which, you know, led to the bills hanging on for the win. I'm really curious to see how the matchups are going to go this year. I think we're definitely going to take the one at home. If I'm honest with you, because you know, you talked about this in your, um, and your podcast with Big E, like there's not one game on this schedule this this upcoming season that I can rule out immediately. I th- I see Miami hanging in with every a single matchup this season, and it's like the first time in probably my whole life as a Dolphins fan where I could say that. That's how confident I am in this team, and I think we'll definitely take the one at home against the Bills. As far as the one in Buffalo, I, like I said, I'm not going to rule it out. It is later on in the season, so we'll see how it goes. But like I said, I'm confident. I think we can definitely compete with them. Yeah, I agree. I definitely see a split happening this year with the Bills because I just don't see us, you know, losing to them two more times. And I think both games are going to be huge for me from a fan's perspective because they're the ones to beat. Obviously, they're the ones we're fighting with for the AFC East. And I'm really curious to see how Brian Flores in particular is going to adjust after losing to them twice. I know you said that one of the games was close, which was, and the last game, you know, we got blown out. And I, I do think that they were just out of, out of gas. You know, week 17, last game of the season, going into Buffalo in that hostile environment, that cold weather, you know, rookie quarterback, it was kind of out there. You know, we were hoping for a miracle and we all had belief in our team, of course, at the time. But when we lost, it's not like we were surprised, you know, because we were kind of yeah. we were kind of riding a high going into that situation. You know, we were going on with the Fitzpatrick coming in. Things weren't amazing. They weren't perfect is what I'm saying. They weren't perfect. Like there wasn't, mm. you know, we should definitely 100 percent win this game. You know, there were still a lot of question marks there. So I wasn't surprised that we lost that game. One thing that I was surprised is that we lost that game in Denver in the season. And I think that's the one that came back to bite us in the ass. Because if you win that game, oh, yeah. we pretty much make the playoffs at 11-5. and five. And I had a feeling, I swear, bro, I had a feeling. I talked to so many people. I said, that game right there is going to haunt us. That's going to be the game why we don't go to the playoffs. And they're like, no, man, there's still a lot of season left. And I said, no. But the thing is, 
When you want to be a good team and you want to be a playoff team, you have to win the games that you're supposed to win against teams that you're better than because those come back to bite you, man. I'm okay with losing to the Bills twice because we're not there yet, okay? But that Denver game... You got to win that game, man. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see, bro. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game like it was yesterday. I was actually on quarantine at the time. So I'm like, okay, got nothing else to do. I'm going to watch this whole game from beginning to end. Man, like my whole family was saying the same thing. Like this game's going to come back to haunt us. And sure enough, it did. Like a lot of things did lead to us getting eliminated, like like Baltimore and that crazy game against Cleveland. If Cleveland would have hung on, mm-hmm. we would have clinched after the Raider game. You know, you just a lot of things played into the role of us getting eliminated. But that Denver game is definitely the one that stands out the most and definitely the one that stings the most because we were right there. We sh- there was no reason why we should have lost that game like at all. Yeah, but then, exactly, that's, just, that's just what makes you remind like one year after the blow it up season, this team is still young, has a lot to learn. You know, at that point, you're just you can't get too mad about it. You're just like. You know, we're already exceeding expectations. There's no, there's going to be bumps. And like you said, it's not perfect. It's amazing, but it's not perfect. And, you know, it does sting. It does hurt, but you just have to move on from it. And that's exactly what they did. They moved on and they kept on pushing. Yeah, that's true. I like the way they bounced back. I did think the bounce back was very, very key after losing a game that you should. And they were able to do so. And also, young young team, young coach, young quarterback. They need to experience those games, you know, where you get, it's a trap game, they call it, right? So when you lose a game, you should win. You know, you experience that, it builds character and it it tells you basically, okay, we're in the NFL. We can't take games lightly. Now, next season, I think they win all the games that they should win. And that's why I think we'll make the playoffs because those are always key. But one thing looming over us right now is the big, big situation with the Xavier Howard contract. Man, how do you feel about it? Are you paying him or do you think the Dolphins should just stand for what they believe in and have him keep his contract the way it is and possibly eventually trade him? It's definitely it's definitely a complicated situation. Um, you know, I'm still bothered that it's still a situation hasn't been resolved yet because now you just got to sit here and just wait and get anxiety over it. But uh, in my opinion, like I see where both sides are coming from. Like I get where Xavier's coming from. Like I was talking to you about this, you know, a week ago, like, you know, NFL careers don't have as nearly as a lifespan as other sports. So like you go for the bag, you want to get paid as much as you can, especially when you have it a season like Xavier Howard did last year. Like you, yeah, I would chase the bag too. But you know, I do feel like if I was put in that situation, I'm not going to hold out. I'm still going to go out there and play, but obviously everyone's different. But if it comes down to choosing like whether to trade him or pay him and stand by what you believe in, like you said, I'm going to pay him to be honest with you. Cause I think he was a big reason why our defense was as good as it was last year. I think he provides such an unbelievable spark to that defense. Like when he gets an interception, it's not just an interception. It's a, it's a big interception and the team is fired up. And I think that just does amazing things for the dolphins. So, you know, I'm going to pay him if I'm Miami. Right, right. And we we talked about this, like you said, me and you talked about this, obviously off air between each other. And I think we should pay Xavier Howard. And pretty much the reasons why I said on my podcast is number one, what he's asking for is what he deserves. Honestly, it's one thing if you don't deserve it and you played like shit and you're trying to get a bigger bag when you don't deserve it, then of course not. But he does deserve his money. But I do understand things from the Dolphins perspective. It's like, hey, we already paid you a big deal. We got you the deal. We showed you that, you know, we believed in you. And then you went around and you had the domestic issues and we stood by you. We still honor your contract. 
So I get it. You know what I mean? And also, you don't want to set that bad precedent where now another guy wants to restructure his deal and get paid. So it's a tough situation. It's something that you don't want to see as a fan, because obviously X-Man is our best player defensively. And we're not a top five defense without Xavier Howard getting those 10 interceptions last year. But the thing where it's hard is that what is the goal? That's what I said on my podcast. What is the goal? Okay. Is the goal to, you know, stand by what you believe in and kind of build, I guess, an identity for so many years? Or is the goal to win now? And I think the goal is to win now. So if the goal is to win now, I'm honestly paying Xavier Howard what he deserves and what he's asking for. And maybe meet in the middle, maybe give him some more guaranteed money. You know, do your do your due diligence and try to work out the deal where it doesn't affect the Dolphins so much. Kind of meet in the middle, like more guaranteed money. If all goes to shit and I think you have to pay him what he wants. I mean, and then if somebody else wants more money, say hell no if they don't deserve it. But as far as Xavier Howard, like that's a key, key piece if we want to win a championship. So I'm paying him 100 percent, bro. Yeah, that's just what makes the situation even more complicated is that, you know, he already demanded more money last year and we gave it to him. And like you said, he had his off field problems. But at the same time, as a football player, he deserves it, like without saying. So, like, like I said, that's just what makes the situation even more complicated. But I, I'm sure both parties are going to come to a resolve. I'm not as worried about it as a lot of people are. Yes, it's very concerning. And I really hope it does go in favor for us. But at the same time, I'm, I'm confident that both sides can figure this out. But, you know, like if they can't come to an agreement and they end up having to ship him, which God forbid, I don't want to happen. I'm confident that we'll get something exceptional in return for him. Like, look what we got out of Stills and Tunsil. <laughs> like it was an, like an amazing trade by the front office. So I'm confident that, you know, regardless of what happens, it's going to pay off. Whatever happens is going to be in favor for us. So, yeah, definitely. Only time will tell. Yeah. At the end of the day, I do believe in Flores and Greer. So if they find that it's better to move on from him, I'm sure that they'll make a good trade and get a good return if that's the case. But give me one player, man, coming into this season that you think will have a breakout year for our Dolphins, man. Man, there's a lot of players. Like I was thinking about that as candidates for a breakout season, but I think without a doubt, it has to be Tua because of you know how he's being labeled after his rookie season. Like if I was him, I'd be so freaking pissed and I'd be so freaking ready to get out there and just prove everybody wrong. Cause that's how I feel as a fan right now. I, I don't even take anything seriously anymore. Like when I see these horrible takes, I'm just like, I'm just ready for the season to come so we could just prove everybody wrong. But out of everybody on that team, I think it definitely has to be Tua. Like for, for no reason too. It's just like everybody's just labeled him immediately. And now he has a message to to give to these to these critics. And I, I cannot wait to see how he comes out and shows everybody like how wrong they've been all off season. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder and more field of the fire, man. All these media outlets talking crap about him. At this point, I don't even watch it anymore. When I see, mm -hmm. just like you, man, when I see it trending on Twitter or that says like ESPN or Colin Coward said this, I, I swear to you, man, I don't even, I don't even listen to it. Like, what's the point? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just wait till the season comes. If my guy Tua sucks, then talk shit. But if not, just sit back and relax and enjoy the show because this guy's this guy's gonna ball out. So, like, what had me rolling was the tr was the mini camp when he had the interceptions. Like, oh yeah, people were panicking, just throwing fire at him. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, it is training, it is training camp, it is stormy weather. Like, 
the backup didn't do as didn't do well either. And then he comes back and doesn't throw a single interception, had like eight touchdowns, I think. And there was not a peep. Like it was, it was hilarious in my opinion. So like, I'm just, I'm ready for him to have a huge game on week one and just not hear a word about him. And to be, and to be honest, I'm perfectly fine with not hearing a word about him because that means everybody just got their mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. I, I just can't wait for the season to start, man. Um, you want to shift over to some NBA stuff here real quick? Hey, I'm all for it, my guy. <laughs> all right, man. So I, I want to talk about your Kings briefly, but before that, how do you feel about these NBA playoffs so far? I know you're happy that the Lakers got eliminated, but how do you feel about the playoffs? Have you liked it? Man, these playoffs, like, I think the big reason why these playoffs have been as exhilarating as they've been, it's like full capacity, like crowds are back. Like I'm never taking a full crowd for granted again. Like even in the play-in game, like for the Lakers and Warriors, for as much as I wanted the Warriors to win that game, when LeBron hit that fadeaway three falling down and the crowd went crazy, I was just like, oh my God, playoffs are back. I cannot be more thrilled for this. Like, it feels like we've been without these game atmospheres for years, but it's only in reality, it's just been a year. So I think that's why these playoffs have been so, so energizing is because the crowds are back. And like, we've had some new teams like the Suns and Hawks making some noise. I got to tip my hat to the Hawks after an incredible run in the playoffs. I was really hoping they were going to make the finals. I would have been so pumped for a Suns and and Hawks matchup that would have been really fun to watch. But yeah, man, it's been it's been one hell of a playoffs. I'm 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 glad they're back, my guy. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I've enjoyed these playoffs and because of what you said, it's kind of, you know, a new a new wave here. Now we got Devin Booker showing everybody what he can do. That's a guy that I've been watching for so many years since his college days and who I love, but it's nice to see him getting the respect that he deserves to get. I mean, Booker's been doing this for a while. He had a oh, 70 yeah. point he had a 70 point game early in his career. I think, I don't know if it was his second or third year in the league. Too many people sleep on this guy. So I'm happy that people are starting to notice what Devin Booker is about. And Trey Young, you know, Luka Doncic, like these are young guys that came into the league together. DeAndre Ayton, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. We're getting tired of seeing the same thing where we, we're seeing LeBron and KD. Not to say that I hate those guys. I don't hate those guys. Well, LeBron's another story, but I don't hate KD. <laughs> uh, but what I'm, I'm just overall happy that we're seeing some new players. And because also what you said, the fans, man, that New York Knicks crowd, bro. Like if oh, yeah. that set the tone right there in the first round for the playoffs, I was like, oh man, the NBA just feels like it's back. Like this is the way it should be, man. That was, it was buzzing out there. Yeah. Like you, you look at Devin Booker, like I want to go back to what you're saying. Like he got, he gets better every single year. And like that, and you love to see that out of him and you love to see what he's doing over in Phoenix. Like they haven't made the playoffs. I think they had the second longest drought next to the Kings and their first year in the playoffs, they're in NBA, they're in the NBA finals. It's, it's truly amazing. And it's truly inspiring. And, you know, CP three went in there and like took on that role and just led that team. And I, they're on, they're honestly my pick for the finals. And I really hope, you know, Devin Booker shows out and, you know, like you look at what he, what he did in the bubble last year. Like he went completely off. Suns went eight and no, unfortunately, you know, the bounce didn't go their way. They couldn't get into the postseason, And I, I think that was like a chip on their shoulder. They're like, oh, hell no. Like we're coming with fire next year. And sure enough, they did. So I agree, bro. It's crazy because I really think that A&O bubble run, even though they don't have this all the whole same roster coming back to this season. I think that started to build things and it started to build a culture over there with Monty Williams. I really think that bubble run was key into doing what they're doing this year, bro. It's kind of like, who can I compare this to? It's kind of like the Warriors, bro. 
Like when the Warriors, before the Warriors were the Warriors and they had that amazing run winning the championship before KD came and all with, when they had Harrison Barnes over there, they made it to the playoffs and I believe they lost to the Clippers, if I'm not mistaken, in seven games. But right there, just by making the playoffs and hanging, you know, to seven games against the Chris, this is the Chris Paul Clippers. Right there, you kind of knew like, oh, the Warriors got next. Like they're, they're coming. And that's kind of the same feeling that I feel like the Suns put out during that bubble run last year, bro. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And, and it's just, it's like a repeat. You, like, you see stuff like that happen all the time and it's, and it's really exciting to see the story unfold for Phoenix. And uh, you, like when the Warriors had their run, you, you think back to when they did have KD, Curry and Draymond and, and Clay. like, God, it feels like it's been years since Clay has played. Like, I just can't wait to see him get back out there as well. But like, you see what that, how special, how truly special that team was like when they had Kevin Durant for as much as you probably hated them back then, you know, and then you now you look at the Lakers and it probably is just like, Oh yeah. Like I miss the warriors now, <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, it's truly inspiring and truly amazing. It, it's just, it just shows how talented and how stacked our league is today. And honestly, like if you were born at the right time and you're enjoying this, this, uh, this league at the prime of your life, like you're, you're blessed because you're, we're truly witnessing something special. Yeah, the talent level in this league is is absolutely insane. Some people do miss the old days. Yeah, I miss the old days as far as like big man being, uh, you know, being able to throw the ball in the post and have a big man go to work. But like the degree of difficulty and the talent level from the shots these guys are making and everything they do is just amazing. But wait, did you say that you think the Suns are going to beat the Bucks in the finals? I do. I really do. I'm I'm going to go with the Suns. Um you know, uh, it doesn't sound like Giannis is doing pretty good. Like, who knows if we're going to have him back for game one? I hope so. Like, I like no offense to Giannis. I, I love Giannis. I think he's a special talent. But I think Phoenix is just playing at an unbelievable level. And I really think they have, I really think they can get the edge in this series. But I won't be mad. I like, I won't be disappointed if they don't. Like, I, I like both teams, but I do love D Book. Uh, I like CP3. I love Aiton. So I really want to see them uh, get the edge in this series. Really? Wow. I didn't I didn't think you were going to say that. Honestly, I I know these two teams and they match up really well. So it's tough to call. They played twice during the season. I've actually I watched both of those games and the Suns won uh, by only one point in both of those times. They were insane games that went down to the wire. Oh, yeah. And well, we're going to have a pretty good finals. But obviously, I'm rooting for the Suns and Devin Booker. But I don't know, man. I, I got a good feeling. I mean, a bad feeling <laughs> that the that if Giannis is healthy, man, I think that's the key. And I think the Bucks can actually take it in six. The reason why I say that, man, it's just I feel like the Bucks match up pretty good against them. Like, you, you know, you have Drew Holiday. He's going to be on Chris Paul majority of the time. You got Chris Middleton, who he's a really good defender. He has a lot of length to him. So he'll probably be on Devin Booker. Then you have Giannis kind of playing safety back there. And also P.J. Tucker coming off the bench, providing some toughness. And let's face it, he's probably going to be out there literally just trying to tire out Devin Booker as much as he can, because it's going to be really hard to stop a dominant player like Devin Booker. But when you have a Chris Middleton, like I talked about with his length, and then you add PJ Tucker off the bench to kind of be physical with him and tire him out. I think those are going to be the reasons why I feel like me personally, that the Bucks will have the edge here over the Suns. But that's key. The key word right here, it's if Giannis is healthy. But let's talk about your Sacramento Kings. So I'm sure uh, what the Suns were able to do definitely gives you optimism about the Kings, man, moving forward. So what, what do you think? What do you think about the Suns and how, you, how can you compare it to your Sacramento Kings? You know, a lot of, a lot of people do 
you know, talk to me about that. Like, uh, oh, I'm sure like you think about how the sun's turned it around in one year, like you guys can too. But man, it is the hardest thing in the world right now is being a Kings fan. <laughs> and then like, I'm not even, I'm not even trying to be sound dramatic. Like, you know, Charles Barkley did an interview with a local Sacramento uh, reporter about a, about a few weeks ago. And they asked him like, Does, do Kings fans have anything to be hopeful for? And he said, not really. And to be honest, I kind of agree with that because I truly feel like if the Kings don't make the playoffs next year, then it's going to be, it's going to be really bad. Like, I think the, the core we have set up now is just not going to work. And I really think a lot of moves can come forth if we don't make playoffs next year. Like, I truly think it can drive the Aaron Fox out of Sacramento and it's just going to keep, it's just going to keep driving free agents away. And I know, I know we're going to try to contend for playoffs next year. So if we don't make it, it's going to be close. We're not going to have a, we're not going to have a solid draft pick. So it's, it's going to, it's going to be bad if the Kings do not strike gold this, uh, this upcoming season. And, you know, I talk about it all the time last season on the podcast. It's just every single day, you just scratch your head even more with this team, but I'm, I am feeling optimistic about this off season. We did land the ninth pick in the draft and I'm hoping we can um, move that pick and, you know, shed some salary with either buddy or Harrison Barnes. I did see, that the Kings are going to be shopping uh, Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald, which I really don't agree with with Bagley, but I do understand things are getting better right now with him. But, you know, I just hope they can either move the pick and a player to move up in the draft or just get some valuable assets that's going to help us win now. I'm more, I'm more than down for it. But, you know, when you talk about optimism, there's not a lot of optimism when it comes to being a Kings fan right now. Right. <laughs> it just sucks to say. Right, man. I, I feel I feel bad for you guys, man, because I really feel like all you need is a very good coach who's willing to come in and change the culture and build an identity. And then honestly, adding a really good veteran who can complement your star player in De'Aaron Fox. We saw Monty Williams come into the Suns. Then they added Chris Paul. You saw what that did to Devin Booker and the Suns. Then even the Knicks. Look at Thibodeau. He came in there and they got him to the fourth seed. It was Thibodeau. And who did he bring along? Derrick Rose. So having like that right veteran who can make it easier for your star player for the Knicks case, it was Derrick Rose and Julius Randle. I feel like that's what you guys need. So I feel like if, if Luke is going to stay, then I hope that he really is building a culture like the players say he does, because a lot of, from what I hear, a lot of the players do like Luke Walton. I don't see how, but if let's just say he is building a culture and we just don't see it yet. I think it's going to be very key for you guys to add a veteran that could compliment Fox and make the game easier for him because he's got a lot to learn. I love De'Aaron Fox. That's my guy. I think he should have been an all-star last year. I think he will be this coming season, but it will be so key to him. And if you add somebody who can basically compliment him and make the game so much easier for him and then teach him things at the same time, bro. No, like when you talk about right there about how we need a coach who can build a culture it just frustrates me so much because that's exactly what Dave Yeager was doing. Mm -hmm. Like I, it just baffles me to this day that we fired him after the best season in, in almost a decade. It just made absolutely no sense to me. And Vladi Divox, our GM, like I love Vladi. I grew up watching him. I don't think any Kings fan should have any hate towards him. He just wasn't the man for the front office job. But like he put no time into even looking for a head coach. Luke Walton was his guy right away. And that, uh, that frustrated me even more because I don't think Luke is a qualified coach just because of what he did in Golden State. That's the only reason why he got a job. And sure enough, it's like, yeah. And you were saying like a lot of players on the Kings right now like, do like playing for him. 
me, I didn't understand that either. But, you know, I had, um, I had Matt George, uh, Sacramento local radio show host, come onto my podcast and talk about it. And he was just talking about how, you know, De'Aaron Fox gets a lot of freedom on the offensive end from Luke Walton more than he did have with Jaeger. And that's why he likes playing with him. And, you know, I, I, I think Fox needs as much freedom as he needs to really take charge on the offensive end. But, you know, when Luke took over, he gave Buddy Hield a lot of freedom. And that should not be a thing. Buddy Hield is does not have a great basketball IQ. And when he was he was used very correctly with with Jaeger. He was doing a lot of off-ball movement and a lot of plays designed just to get him wide open shots. And we were succeeding really much with that. So I just it just baffles me every time when I think about it, how we took a drastic change in the coaching staff and it hasn't paid off at all. So that's why I think this year is a huge year for, and it's going to dictate a lot of things for the upcoming future for this team. Yeah. You, you're spot on a hundred percent right with what you said about Davey Ackerman. I, I talked to you about this. I really liked how the team was rolling with Jaeger. He was able to use Buddy the right way and was not letting Buddy get away with things that he wanted to do. He would punish him when he takes those bad shots. Remember that Golden State game we talked about before me and you? Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what the team needs. You know, like you said, he was doing that. He was building the culture. Like he was standing by for what he believes in. And that's what got Buddy paid. Buddy was paid because of that run with Jaeger. Like, let's think about yep. that, man. And not anything after. This freedom that he's doing now, there's no reason why Buddy Hill should be dribbling the basketball. He has no handles at all. He's a pure scorer. He can shoot the ball. He can shoot the hell out of the ball. But Buddy Hill, once he starts putting the ball on the floor, like, what are you doing, my guy? You know, and, and Luke, exactly. I feel like Luke has no control of the team. And I think he shouldn't have got the job. He had that stint, you know, with the Golden State Warriors. Like, the team was stacked already. They knew how to play. What did he really do? After that, he went to the Lakers. And he didn't, he didn't impress me for what he did with the Lakers. So why should you think that he was the right guy for Sacramento? I don't understand that. Exactly. Like, if you can't go to the playoffs with LeBron James, like, do you want do you want that guy? Come on. Like, granted, LeBron was hurt, but I still think the Lakers had a talented squad. They had Lonzo. They had Brandon Ingram. Like, I, I still think they could have made some noise even without LeBron. And it's not like LeBron missed the entire mm-hmm. season. Exactly. So, and, and when you hear about it, it's just like, it sounded like nobody on that Lakers team liked playing with Walton. Like, Ingram wanted to drop 50 on us. It was his first game playing against Walton since he left the Lakers. So I'm like, it, it just baffles me every time my guy is, and it still hurts to this day that we didn't fire him after this season. So like after everything we just said, like for your listeners, like try to think how, how I'm feeling going into the season. Cause it, <laughs> it, it sucks, but you know, I, I bleed purple. I will always bleed purple. I will always wear the, that Jersey. So I just, I'm just going to do my thing and still give that team money to go to games and, <laughs> and just root them on. But no, yeah, as you should, man. Honestly, uh, from watching the games, because De'Aaron Fox is one of my favorite players, Kentucky guy right there, watching your games on a daily basis, usually that Sacramento Kings crowd is one of the best crowds in the NBA, and it doesn't get talked about enough. They really deserve so much more credit. And then, honestly, that's kind of, I guess, the GM's fault, man, because honestly, you're not in the playoffs. Once you're in the playoffs, man, everyone's going to be like, holy shit, like that, that Kings crowd is loud. And that's one thing that your fan base desperately needs, man. The loyalty for you guys to show up when the team is no good. All these heartaches, man. All the things you guys been through. They still show up. The cowbells, all that stuff, man. You guys rock that place. And I, I can't wait till you guys get to the playoffs because I really think NBA fans are missing out from witnessing and hearing that Sacramento faithful, man. So as you know, I'm pulling for you guys, my guy. I'm pulling for Darren Fox. And I hope you guys 
you know, start heading in the right direction very soon, bro. Oh yeah. I, I tell this to a lot of people and it blows them away each time. And I'll, I'll tell you to your listeners, but the last time the Kings made the playoffs, I was, I was six years old in first grade. Now I, I'm turning 21 next week and I've been out of high school for two years and they still haven't made the playoffs. So I've gone through a whole, a whole lifetime pretty much uh, <laughs> without seeing any playoffs. So uh, you can only imagine what, how I'll act when like, I'm going to, I'm going to act like they won the championship when they clinch a playoff spot. I'm probably going to be crying about it. So um, like, yeah, that's how, that's how long it's been. And I am guarantee you, we're going to blow the roof off that place. Our first playoff game. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Hell yeah. You deserve it, bro. You guys deserve it. So one more thing before we wrap up here, man, let's do our uh, top 15 players in the NBA, in your opinion. So we'll go with my list and your list, but what we'll do is we'll go from 15 all the way to one and we'll do three at a time. So you'll go first, giving me your 15, 14 and 13. Then I'll do my three and then you do your three and we'll go from there. And this is top 15, if all healthy, no, no trick questions here. It's like, who would you want on your team over who at this point? Top 15, give me your 15, 14, and 13. I'm going to write these down as well. All right, man. So before I get started, I just want to talk about like, this was the, the hardest list I had to make. <laughs> and I think because of how, like we said earlier, how talented our league is and how stacked it is, it makes, it just comes down to personal preference. And honestly, I did not expect it to be a, a complicated list. So uh, I think you guys will find my list pretty interesting. I, I, a lot of factors play into personal preference for me. So, and I'll explain that as we go. But uh, so for my 15, 14, and 13 guys, I got Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and Bradley Beal. Those three, Devin Booker, a lot of people, you know, didn't even have him in like top 20 lists going into this season. And I think he definitely deserves to be in a top 15 after this season for what he's done with Phoenix. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was a tough one uh, to put down there, but like, as, as the lists go on, you're going to understand like, yeah, I give these players edges too, but I think Donovan Mitchell after next season is going to definitely crack into probably top 10 after the performance he did in the playoffs this year is just unbelievable. And, you know, once Bradley Beal, like you saw what he did all year with Washington He's one, just one hell of a scorer, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do next season, whether he's going to be with Washington or not. I hope he just finds himself a way to contend because he deserves to be in the light of the playoffs, in my opinion. Wow, man. That's, that's crazy. Now, now you put the pressure on me, bro, because <laughs> two, two of those people that you just named, I left off my list, and it hurt me to leave them <laughs> off my list because they're so freaking talented. And so many people think about this. They're like, oh, this guy's a top 15 player in the league. But if you write this stuff down, man, it's very hard. It's hard. And that's why these people yeah. have trouble picking all-stars every year. You know, it's everyone is going to be snubbed exactly. no matter what. Somebody's going to get snubbed, multiple people. And I, I left Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal off my list. And not to say they're not bad players. I think Donovan Mitchell is on his way there. He's putting up together a crazy, crazy early start to his career. I think he's definitely going to be there. If not next year, probably the following year for me. And Brad Beal, I left out, but I wanted to put him at 15. But I put Devin Booker at 15 for the reasons you stated. And 14, I have Jimmy Butler. And 13, I have Jason Tatum. And the reason why I had Jimmy Butler last year at the end of the finals, I had him at 10. I think what he was able to do in the NBA finals and carry that Heat team and win those two games without Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo being healthy in the finals. I think that really put him, if not a top 10 player, I think that sealed him in at top 15 player in the NBA 
for what he's able to do, not only offensively, rebound and assist him, but what he's able to do defensively. That's that. I mean, you got to give credit to that two-way player right there. So that's why I have him at 14. And then 13, Jason Tatum, because, I mean, he scores with the best of them, man. That guy is so smooth. He had a 60-point game this season, if I'm not mistaken. And he's still very young. So I know that upside is just going to be, get better and better. And his length and his handles, so many things I like about Tatum. He's on the team that I hate, which is the Celtics. But JT, he can ball, bro. So I have him at 13. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I definitely feel you. Uh, I, I wanted to fit uh, Tatum on here as well. And I think he does deserve it, like, like you said. But it, like when it comes down to personal preference for me, I've never really been a huge Tatum fan, not for reasons that I think he's not good. It's just like you said, you don't like the Celtics. I'm not really much of a fan of the Celtics myself, but no, no discredit to any of his uh, abilities on the basketball court. It's just when it came down to personal preference, I had to roll with Bradley Beal and Donovan Mitchell. So yeah, like uh, those are uh, that's a really good list. Uh, Jimmy Butler, definitely what he did last year with Miami. You just got to tip your hat to him. Like, like that, that iconic picture of him, bending down over the the screen from just being so tired. And I think it was game five, I think last year's NBA finals. Like that mm-hmm. just, I was just like, I fell for him. I'm like, he is, he is out. He is out of gas, but he is still pushing. He's still carrying this team right now. It was one hell of a performance. And I think he's, I think Miami's in store for something special in the coming years with him. I, I really hope they keep him and get him just a couple more pieces because I'm I'm all for I'm all for to see the Heat succeed because you know Miami's just a fun team to watch. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> you know I'm with you on that. But yeah, I knew we were gonna have different lists, and that's kind of what makes this cool and really fun. So let me get your uh, 12, 11, and 10 top players. All right, for 12, 11, and 10, uh, this one was uh, pretty close for me, but I got Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Joel Embiid. So for a lot of people, would be like, whoa, Joel Embiid's a MVP contender, like he's over, he's all the way down at 10. But like I said, as my list is going to go on, this is if they're healthy going to next season, you guys are going to understand. But uh, Kyrie Irving wasn't really a big fan of him this year with his antics off the court. I do understand that he is very vocal about what he believes in and about what's going on in today's world. And I do tip my hat to him, but you know, it was interfering with his contractual agreement to like talk to the media and play basketball. So like when he, when he literally stated how he didn't want to travel with the team because of the, what was going on in the, in the country at the time, because he didn't feel like it, that really struck a chord with me. So like, that's why he's pretty low on my list, but it doesn't take away what a special talent he is on the basketball court. And you know, like you see what he did in Cleveland, you see what he's done this year with Brooklyn. He's still so smooth and he's still such an efficient scorer and just blows you away sometimes to see what he did over there with Durant. He did have his injury problems. So that's why, you know, the Brooklyn Nets didn't get to really advance past the second round. But yeah, that's my, uh, that's my 12 through 10. Um, I think James Harden is going to slip out of the top 10 going into this season. I would have had him in the top 10, but you know, a lot of stuff going on with him as well. And then Joel Embiid, that was a very tough one for me, but you know, we all know Joel Embiid. And when it comes down to personal preference, I can't stand the guy sometimes. So, (laughs) But still a hell of a player, but that's my tw- uh, 12 through 10. Wow, man. I'm, su- I'm surprised you have James Harden that low, man. I'm yeah. surprised. Um, I agree with you. I have Kyrie Irving at 12 on my list as well. Now, 11, I have Dame Lillard. And 10, I have Joel Embiid. So we did agree with 10 and 12. My 11 is Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is awesome. I hate to put him at number 11, man. But 
I mean, he he is special, but there is a lot of things that he does need to, you know, improve his game. I think playmaking needs to get better. I think his defense needs to get better in order for him to crack that top 10. And Joel Embiid at top 10, it's pretty like clear. If Joel Embiid is in shape and Joel Embiid takes everything seriously and is healthy, that man is honestly the best big in the league. But those injury concerns are there and I kind of think it takes a toll on him. And I know we're talking about if guys are healthy, but we're also talking about like who would you want on your team going into next season, things like that. So when you factor all that in, I had to put Joel Embiid at 10, but being a top 10 player in the NBA is still unbelievable. So I had Kyrie, Dame, and Embiid for 12, 11, and 10. Okay, so so far our lists are a little similar. So I like that. I like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What about uh, 9, 8, and 7? So 9, 8, and 7 is where it got a little surprising in my case. So at nine, I have Damian Lillard. Uh, I'm a, I love Damian Lillard. I'm my co-host on nine one six kingdom. He's a big Portland guy. The reason why I love Dame so much is his loyalty to Portland, man. Like Portland has done such a terrible job of getting him the pieces they need to get, to get that city a championship. And Dame deserves it more than a lot of guys in, in the league, in my opinion. And loyalty is something that means a lot to me. So I just, cannot get over how how much he bleeds that team and he's from oakland like you like you think he'd he'd be so down for a trade to like golden state or like go there at free agency at one point but like no like he says he he's staying in portland the whole his whole career obviously recently some stuff had come out about his future in portland but before that he was always like i'm never leaving portland i love that so much in him and you know his his games where he just does not miss and like and I do agree with you on his playmaking ability it does need to get a little better but uh, I just hope Portland can find a way to get him some some pieces to help them contend more efficiently in the playoffs so yeah that's my number nine and uh, number eight I got Kawhi Leonard oh now a lot of people are wow. gonna disagree with me on that but let me tell but let me also explain to you like Kawhi hasn't played a full season in like what was like three or four years. And like, doesn't take away what he did in the playoffs in 2019. It was still one of the best playoff runs I ever saw with Toronto, but Kawhi Leonard, you know, and before I get into more, because my next player, I'm going to have to explain the lot to this, but like play how, how players act often on the court plays a big role into my player, into my player preference. And, you know, like the fact that Kawhi like doesn't talk and like, doesn't show any emotion. A lot of people like that, but I think he needs to bring out a better leadership role for the Clippers because like, like like when he was injured, he wasn't even on the bench with them like at all. Right. And that struck a chord with me too. I'm just like, you know, you need to be down there. You, you guys got a final strip on the line, like pump up your team. And like, you know, Mike Breen was talking about how the players always talk about what a presence he brings on the bench. I'm like, then why aren't you down there? My guy, like it, it just, it just made no sense to me, but I still, I love watching Kawhi Leonard. I think he is such an amazing talent. He, and like, he's kind of like Devin Booker. He's, he gets better every single year. So I, I, I love what he brings to the team, but just, he does have some things to work on if the Clippers want to be a contender next year. So that's uh that's my number eight and number seven. I got LeBron James. Whoa. Yeah. So number seven, I got LeBron James. Um, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. But I do, I do think he's done wonders for the game. But his antics on the court is something we can both agree on, uh, Nando. Like, it makes me not want to watch basketball sometimes. And like, I was so pumped when the Lakers got eliminated because, like, 
if you're not a LeBron diehard fan where you're going to side with him no matter what, if you're just a true basketball fan and you know from experience when you're watching a Lakers game and like after every single call, you see him like legit just crying about it. Like, like, and he won't leave the refs alone. Like, and he charges refs sometimes and he gets so much like freedom to do that. I'm like, okay, if that was anyone on my team, they would have been thrown out for charging the ref. It just takes away from the love of the game for me. I just can't stand watching him sometimes. And it kind of like, and like it's spread onto Anthony Davis. Like he's turned into a kind of like crybaby like him as well. And it just, <laughs> it just sucks. And it sucks even more because it's the Lakers and I hate LA teams like a lot. Like I'm a big Giants fan as well. Hate the Dodgers. So like, it just makes it even harder for me to watch because he's on the Lakers as well. So um, I do think LeBron is probably going to take a step back next year. Uh, you know, he didn't really come up so much in the playoffs and, you know, him leaving the court before the game was even done. I was just like, Oh hell no. Like I cannot even come close to calling this guy the greatest of all time. I, I just can't. So like, that's why I got at seven. Wow. That was, that was interesting, man. I did not, I did not expect that. Now I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, I agree with everything you said about LeBron, the antics, the way he carries himself, him leaving the floor early you know, him whining about calls and the flopping. We saw multiple videos come out this year, especially where he didn't even get hit and he's flopping. Like, come on, man, you, you want to be the best player. And then you're doing these things like, come on, you're, you're too big for that. You're too grown for that. You don't see Kobe doing that. I promise you that you don't see Kobe doing that type of stuff. So that kind of, that kind of stuff does bug me. And like, to what you said, it makes you not want to watch it. And honestly, uh, my girlfriend and I talk about this a lot of times where you're watching these Laker games and they're complaining after every single call. And that stuff is, is taxing, man. Like you don't honestly even want to watch it. Like you're ruining the game. Exactly. We already talk about how many times challenges take forever or reviews by the ref. You honestly complaining to the ref is just as bad, man. You're wasting time. Like let's get the game going. Like, and then you want everything to be reviewed. They're constantly looking at the code challenge that and challenge it. Like, dude, you guys have one challenge. Relax. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, without I, a doubt. <laughs> I definitely, uh, although I disagree with LeBron being seven, I, I, I do respect where you're coming from. And th- this is, this definitely got interesting. So my nine, eight and seven here, I have Jokic at number nine. I think what he did this year, being an MVP, he's incredible. He's on his way to being, he, you know, he's trending in the right direction. But one thing I think he needs is defense. And I'm big on being a two-way guy, especially when you're going into top 10. I'm, I'm really intrigued by two-way stuff when you're able to defend and play offense. So I think Jokic is definitely trending up, but I have him nine. I do have him over in bead because I think his ability to not only post up, shoot the mid-range shot, shoot the three, but his playmaking and rebounding ability that's awesome stuff. And then at eight, I have Giannis. Oh, wow. Now Giannis, Giannis, I have the same type of things, man. Just the ability to defend, the ability to score, rebound, and make your teammates better by getting a couple assists. I think that's awesome. But one thing, why I have him eight and not even top five is because I really think he has to develop that jump shot, man. If he develops a three-point shot or a mid-range shot, he can literally probably be a top three player. Like I'm, I'm not even kidding. If he gets a three or a mid range or something in his bag, dude, he might be probably even top two, honestly, and maybe even the best. But if you're not doing that, I think when push comes to shove and you have a good coach going against you in the playoffs, they can stop that. I mean, granted he's, he's gotten his way in these playoffs, but you know, I, I really feel like you need to be able to develop that jump shot and make teams pay because if you're able to build a wall and stop them from getting to the paint, 
what you know, what are you really doing? And he also is bad from the free throw line. That plays a, a factor as well. And number seven, I have Anthony Davis. And it might surprise you. I would take Anthony Davis over Giannis. I think uh, AD's ability to do different things from shoot, shoot mid-range, post up, rebound, lock in defensively, make his free throws. I think that all comes into play. If AD is healthy, man, we didn't really get to see that this year. But when he's healthy and he's engaged and health is so hard for him to be, you know, it's hard for him to get healthy throughout his career. But when he's able to lock in, AD is unstoppable. And I feel like a lot of people are forgetting that. Yeah, I do. I do agree with you on that. I do think a lot of people really push aside the fact, like no matter how AD has been the last couple of years, whether it's his antics or the way he just quit on New Orleans or things like that, I get that. And like, to be honest, myself, I do think I do have a lot of those that play into factor with my with my liking of Anthony Davis. But I do think a lot of people really forget about what a special talent he is and like what he does on the offensive end. And he does provide a huge uh, impact on, on the defensive end of the court as well. So yeah, you, you bring up a really good point there about a lot of people pushing aside Anthony Davis's talents over his antics. So yeah, good point there. Exactly. All right. So let's, let's, we're winding down here. So let me get your six, five and four. All right. So six, five and four. Okay. At six, I got Anthony Davis at five. I got Nikola Jokic and at four, I got Giannis. So with Anthony Davis at six, he faced a lot of injuries this, this year. So that's a big concern for me. And so that I want, I wanted to get him into my top five over Jokic, but you know, I just thought, you know, to be fair, going into next season, I'm going to put the MVP in there and you know, the, what you you see what Jokic does every single night and you know, the evolution of that player, you know, blows me away each time. And I think he still has potential to make an even bigger job next year. So like, I'm really excited to see what Jokic can do. Uh, and Davis at so with Davis at six, I think that's pretty fair given all the injuries he had this year. Granted, the Lakers did have the shortest break out of all the other teams going into this season. So hopefully a longer, uh, longer break will help him heal up and, you know, be given the ability to stay on the court more, but easily, if he has like a season for the books, he'll definitely be in that top five for the next season. And then Giannis at four. And I I agree with you a lot on Giannis's jump shot. For me, when I think about his jump shot, it just makes me think like what you just said, man, if he has the jump shot, he can be the greatest of all time, uh, top three, like stuff like that. It just makes you think of the possibilities. That man, what he brings on both sides of the court and off the court, like he seems like a teammate you want. He makes everyone laugh. He, He posts funny stuff all the time. He's just all around an exceptional talent and player. And, you know, I love watching Giannis, but I do agree, you know, that jump shot, and especially the free throw, the free throw needs to needs a lot, imp- a lot more improvement, but I think he was pretty solid at four because my top three, I think are an instant or instant lock. So um, we'll get to that in a sec, but uh, yeah, that's my six through four. It looks like we both agree with Giannis, man. Like if he does lock in, you know, the free throws or the mid-range jumper or three-point, even if you just toss toss out the mid-range. Like, if you could just get a three-point to your game, man, it, it's insane how how great he would be. Like I said, you can argue he can be one. He can be number one if he unlocks that. So definitely interesting here. Um, we pretty much definitely have multiple people in our top three here that I see. My six, five, and four... This was hard for me, man. I'm not going to lie. This is when it got really, really difficult for me. 
Number six, I got Luca. Number five, I have James Harden. And number four, I have Kawhi Leonard. Number six, I got Luca. That hurt me, man, because I know what he's been able to do this year. And I what he's doing at such an incredible rate so early in his career is remarkable, man. He's he's making his teammates better. He's getting rebounds. He's obviously scoring 40 point games like like nothing in his sleep, man. If you watch these Dallas Maverick games, man, you're watching the game and you don't even you look at the box score and you're like, yo, this guy has a triple double. Doesn't even feel like it. And that's when you know you're special, man. Like you're that good that we're not even amazed by what you're doing. We're just watching you do these things like that's what you're supposed to do. And honestly, he's got he has a great career ahead of him. But for him to be in my top six and only being in the league, what is this, his third year, if I'm not mistaken, or or second? I think it's third. But being top six already three years into the league, dude, that's amazing. Like everybody ahead of him has been in the league for definitely, I think, over seven years. So you're top six only in your third year. You're you're pretty much on your way to being in the top three easily. Yeah. So no knock on Luca for being six, but I have him six. And then I have James Harden fifth right there. I didn't know if I wanted to give Luca five and Harden six. I was really torn between the two. The defensive stuff does concern me about James Harden, the way he acts, the way he forces way out of yeah. Houston. That stuff is concerning. But when it comes down to it, as far as overall talent and skill offensively, man, what he's able to do, that's another player that puts up these triple doubles where you don't even notice it. And it's crazy. Every time you look, this guy's got like 40, 10 and 10. It's like, how the hell do you do that? So when you're able to do it like that, and for so many years, that's why I put him five, because he's been able to do it longer than Luca. And that's no knock on Luca because he's going to get there. But Harden's been doing this for a while. And he's been doing it consistently. And that's why I have him top five. Number four, I got Kawhi Leonard uh, because of the two-way stuff that I told you earlier. Very big on that two-way stuff when you're able to score the way you can and also make an impact defensively as well. He's mm-hmm. When he's healthy, Kawhi Leonard is, you could obviously even put him top three. So I think he's a crazy talent. I wish he was a better leader. I wish he was more vocal like you talked about. That would be so big in his, um, you know, his appearance, but... When you're talking about basketball and you're talking about like a game seven, you know, I need to win this game. I'm going to the NBA finals. You can argue like you probably take Kawhi Leonard second on your team if it's all on the line, like behind KD. Uh, you know what I mean? So that's what factored in there. So I had Kawhi at number four. And now we get into the top three, man. So let me get the three, two, one here from your side. All right, man. So three, two, one was pretty much a lock for me. So. Before we finish this list, top 15 players for next season, if healthy. I think everybody on this list is going to take a huge jump next year. They all can, they all have the potential to take an even bigger jump. And you like, you talk about Luca, you talk about Devin Booker, how they just get better every year. Jokic, Giannis, you're like, how much of a big jump can they take? They got potential. This league just gets better every year. So this is why these are my top three. So number three, I got Steph Curry. You look at what Steph Curry faced this year. Did not have Clay. Had a completely like like a new team. Like he did get to play with Wiggins for a little bit before the pandemic strike. Had Kelly Oubre. Had Draymond still. You know, it's just a new team, and a lot of people were like, "Clay, uh, Steph's not going to be able to do this by himself. That like he's going to get exposed this year." Not from furthest from the truth. Like I used to just cannot stand the Warriors, and the Lakers completely changed that for me. Like I take I take everything back. Like I wish the warriors were successful again. Cause like, like I said, the Lakers, it just doesn't make it fun to watch. You watch the warriors. They play basketball 
it was just amazing. You just couldn't get over how well they played together. And you see what Steph did this year, completely carried that team to a playoff, well, to the play in. They just missed the playoffs, but I think Curry, Curry was my MVP in my opinion, because Golden State would not would be anywhere near where they were this year without him. And he completely just came back from an injury riddled season last year and just carried that team. And that's why he was unanimous MVP a few years ago. So that's my number three. At number two, I got Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant came back from that Achilles injury and still showed that anything is possible. And he's still the player he was played at such a high rate. And I think he's going, I think he's going to be even better for Brooklyn next year. Like the thing is, the thing is with the nets right now, except for Kevin Durant, it's just like with Kyrie Irving and James Harden, it sometimes just makes you question whether basketball is a priority to them. And I think they should have went a different route with their coaching. I I think they could have gotten a better, more experienced gun. Like no offense to Steve Nash, but like Stephen A. Smith brought up a good point about their coaching. Like Kyrie was like, we don't need the coaching. Like we're, and I'm like, well, when you guys are all hurt, maybe your other guys are going to need coaching. So like, I, I completely agreed with for that. So like, that's who my number two and uh, my number one, it's going to shock you. Cause you had him at six. I got Luca being the best player next year. Luca, like you said, just plays re- out of his mind. You just don't understand how, like he already has a triple double. He puts up these 40 point triple doubles and like, he had nerve damage in the first round and he was still averaging a 30 or 40 point triple double. I'm like, so what if this guy was healthy? So like, it just blows you. And and like when you watch Luca and when he does like these step back jumpers, he he looks like he's moving in slow mo. Like he plays at his pace and he's like completely taking the game of basketball into his hands and just playing the way he does, no matter what is thrown at him. And he's putting up these crazy numbers. I see Luca just going absolutely off next year, especially if they're going to go a different route with Przingis or get someone else in there. And if he's going to have a lot more opportunities, it's wraps. And I'm a huge Luca guy. I regret wanting to take Bagley over him at the time. I probably not my best moment, but I got to go with Luca being the best player in the league next year. Man, that's a that's a very, very good list you got, bro, and great explanation. And I know it pains you to know that the Kings could have had Luca and they took Marvin Bagley instead. So for you to still, you know, put that behind you and have him ranked number one in your list, I know that was very hard, but you're being truthful, man. He is a he's a talent, bro. I, I know he's on his way there, and he definitely will be top three for me, if not next year, the following year after that. But for my top three. At three, I have Steph Curry, and that's part of the reason why, you know, you said he was able to carry this Warriors team to the playing game. That was remarkable. And it was crazy because, you know, we all really love Steph Curry for that long time where they were making all those finals runs. You know, we all the two MVPs that he won, the unanimous MVP. There was an argument where people were taking Curry over LeBron at one point, and that was like a real thing. And then Kevin Durant came to the Warriors and Curry took a step back and it was kind of not Durant's team. It was still Steph's team, but Durant was, was scoring the most and he was kind of mm-hmm. like the face in a way. So then you kind of wondered, like people started to say, you know, cause Curry wasn't doing what he was doing. He didn't have to, he didn't have to, he was more, he was a team guy. Yeah. And that's what I love about Curry, man. He's also a team player, a great team player. You can tell. And so people were wondering, does Steph Curry still got it? There was, you know, a bunch of uncertainty there. Like, oh, maybe Curry's a little bit older in age. Then Kevin Durant left, then he got injured. So now we go up to this season, we're like, man, no Clay Thompson, that sucks. 
Curry's going to be seeing a whole bunch of double teams all year. There's no way he can carry this team. And he, and he did. He led them to the playing game. And he did. Putting up these crazy stats. He was getting trapped once he crossed half court and still found a way to put up these 30-point games, 40-point games like nothing. And there was a stretch where he had, I think it was like 35 points in like eight straight games during the regular season. Teams were game planning for this. Once he crossed half court, they were sending, I, I saw triple teams at one point. And he was still putting up 35. Like, it's crazy. I, I thought, I was honestly concerned in the beginning of the season. I was thinking like, man, I, I feel bad for Curry, man. Like, I think he's, he might be kind of winding down in a way. And I don't want to say it, but man, he shut me up, dude. And he's honestly, I've, I've never said it on my podcast, but he's my favorite player in the NBA. Like, I, I love watching him ball. I love watching him put on these performances. He makes the game fun, the shimmy stuff, the laughing stuff, all all that. He just looks like a little kid out there just having fun, man. And even and he's six two. He's not a little kid, but I love Steph Curry. He's my favorite player in the league. But what he was able to do this year, bro, that has me as a lock for top three. And I honestly wanted to pick him too, but it was a tough, tough decision for me. So I had him at three. And at number two, I have LeBron James. And the reason why I have LeBron James is because his body of work, obviously what he's able to do for this many years, for these many years and keep his body, you know, in shape and always ready. And I know he, he faced the injury this year, but to me, he's the second best player in the NBA for what he's been able to do. And it, it's, it's hard to give him too much credit because I'm not the biggest fan of him, but he does keep himself in shape and he's out there giving his all. He's a good team guy. He's pass first. He can rebound and he can score with the best of them. Uh, his jump shot's a little bit questionable, but when it's all on the line in the game seven, not to say that he's going to score, you know, like a 50 piece. I'm not confident in that. But what I do know is that he's going to be able to instill confidence in the guys around him to have them believe like, hey, keep being open. Keep shooting that shot. Like, I'm going to pass it to you. I'm going to look for you. Just shoot that shot. And that plays a role into it. I don't think that he can take over a game and give you, you know, 40 points to a victory in a game seven. But what I do think that he gives the guys confidence around him. And, you know, if the result doesn't go his way, yeah, he walks out on his players and doesn't look like a good teammate after the fact that they lose. But heading into the game, I really think that he's a good guy that you would want to have on your team. But at number one, I'm, I didn't put LeBron number one. So yeah. <laughs> number one, I got Kevin, I got Kevin Durant, man. Okay. And I've had Kevin, I've had Kevin Durant number one since 2017, bro. Since he joined the Warriors and what he was able to do and outplay LeBron in all those finals when they played against him, that's when I knew Kevin Durant, like the era just begun where he's the best player in the league, bro. What he's able to do defensively and the way he scores at that height, bro, he just gets his shot off on anybody. It doesn't matter. He's so tall, so skilled. His handle, his crossovers, everything he does, man. And the way he went toe-to-toe with LeBron and outplayed him. That whole that whole finals run. And this is Cleveland LeBron. Yeah. Like LeBron was on, he was on one during those years. And for him to do that, and then Kevin Durant, you know, goes down with the Achilles injury and then comes back and does what he just did in the playoffs. I was like, off an Achilles, bro. Yeah. Like, isn't isn't that career like ending, man? Like, <laughs> so, like what what is wrong with this guy? So, right there, that's a lock for me, Kevin Durant, bro. Number one player in the league. But I love your your take. I love what you said about Luca. I definitely think the future is bright for him. And th- this was definitely a fun list. I've always wanted to do this, so it's cool to hear uh, your perspective on things, bro. No, definitely. And I don't want your listeners to get twisted about because, like, I know how people can get it when it comes to LeBron James. For sure. But like, I still think, like, 
like I said, it's a top players next year. And the, and like I said, I everyone on this list has the potential to take an even bigger jump. And unfortunately, I just don't I just don't have them up there because I just think the talent is just it's just unmatched and it's just going to get even better. And he is coming down the home stretch. So I'm just like, I still think he's a top five player all time. It's just like going into next season. It's going it's going to be tough uh, for him, in my opinion. But you know what? I can always be steered wrong. But I still think he's going to have a hell of a season. It's just I don't I don't th- I don't see how we can just rule out all these other guys who are just taking leaps every single year. You're and right. especially when it comes to Luca, it's just like I said, he took the game into his hands and he's playing his way no matter what is thrown at him. And it's he still makes it work in just these ridiculous ways that's just going to leave you like, what did I just watch? <laughs> like so, like yeah. it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun season next year for sure. No, yeah, for sure. And I, I agree. Your, your take is good because he is winding down, man. If there's anything that you saw through this playoff run with LeBron James, it's kind of like you got a little glimpse like, hey, his time is kind of winding down. But I know that if you confidently say that he might turn around and go crazy. But from what we saw on the playoff run, you kind of do kind of get a little glimpse that he's winding down. So honestly, going into next year, when it's all said and done, he might be the sixth or seventh best player in the league next year. Like you, it's not a crazy, crazy statement by no means, but you know, you think about it first, you're like LeBron at seven, what? But if you hear about what you're saying and why you're saying it, I think, it, I think that's a really, really solid point by you, man. But Jacoby, uh, thanks for coming on, man. It was a pleasure having you on and I wish you nothing but the best with all that you got going on and keep doing your thing with your podcast. You know, you got my support, my brother. Thank you so much, man. Hey, uh, to all Nando's listeners, Nando will be on my podcast this upcoming Friday, July 9th, uh, 916 Kingdom. So make sure you guys tune into that. And uh, hey, my DMs are always open. If you guys want to talk up about the Dolphins or anything about basketball, I'm on Twitter at Jacoby016. Nando, I couldn't have been more honored to be on here with you, my guy. It's been a long time coming. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. You know, you inspire us to just keep dr- driving. I, you, I think you started this podcast like around when we did. And like to see where you are now, it's 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 inspiring, and we're and we're gonna keep pushing to get where where we want to be as well. So keep it up, man, because like definitely the number one Miami sports podcast. If you think about it, you type in Miami sports on any podcast thing, you come up on the first result, and that's pretty amazing. After doing this for twenty five episodes, hey man, that that means a lot to me, man. To hear those kind words from you, you know, I thank you for the support that you give me, man. All the conversations that we've had. Uh, you know, talking about things and your podcast is on its way to doing great things. So I'm excited for season two. Like I said, you got my support, man. And and thanks for coming on and we'll talk soon, brother. Thank you so much, man. See you later. All right. So that wraps up episode 25, man. That was a fun, fun conversation with Jacoby. Let me know what you guys think about my top 15 players in the NBA heading into next year. Let me know if you agree with it or how about let me know your top 15. Why don't you guys do that for me? Message me on Twitter at SportsVibes305 or follow me on Facebook. Message me there. Let me know your top 15 players in the NBA. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear your perspective on things. It's never a bother. I love talking NBA stuff, NFL stuff, whatever it may be. But I am curious to know how you guys feel about my top 15 list. So feel free to message me there. And also, once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. Make it a great week this week, and I will see you guys here next Tuesday and every Tuesday after that. Thanks for listening to the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast with Nando Diaz.